This is Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta, Georgia, a congregation full of life and love with a legacy of outreach ministries. Everybody's invited to church in person Sunday at 10 a.m. and online at mountpleasantatl.org. And now, the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Atlanta. looking for the folks that's been through too much not to worship him. Maybe I'm in the wrong house this morning. I said, I'm just looking for some folks that's been through too much not to worship him. Maybe they in the balcony. I'm looking for some folks who don't think the pews are too comfortable not to worship him, whose shoes aren't too tight to worship him whose outfit isn't too cute to worship him. I wonder, there's some worshipers in here that say, I just did make it to church. And since I'm here, I've got to worship him. I, I had a rough week, but since I'm here, I've got to give him glory. I've got to tell him thank you. I've been through too much. The have hadn't been told. I've been through too much. Hell and high water, I've been through too much. Look and tell somebody, you sitting next to a worshiper, you sitting next to a worshiper. Come on, look down your row and tell somebody, it don't take much from me. It don't take much. Somebody can say Jesus and I'll take off running. Somebody can say hallelujah and I'll take off skipping. I cry and ain't nothing wrong with me. I laugh <laughs> and ain't nothing funny. I run and ain't nobody chasing me cause you don't know like I know what the Lord alright my worship on your way down just tell somebody I'm for real I'm for real <laughs> look at tell somebody I, I fake all week long on my job but when I come to church I'm for real this, this praise you see me giving God is for real because guess what, when I was broke, that was for real. When I was hungry, that was for real. When I had to ride Marta and get a ride from other folk, that was for real. So I ain't got time to patty cake and play around. I've got a real praise. Clap your hands and tell him thank you. The Lord bless you today. So I would like to call your attention, if you will, to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, amen, the fourth chapter. And we thank God for all the men and women of the clergy, amen, the reverend brethren and sisters. We thank God for all of you, our co-laborers in the gospel. The book of Exodus chapter number four, and we will commence reading at verse number one. And just a few of the following in your hearing. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. When you found it, say man. And there you'll find these words. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. 
And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob have appeared unto thee. That's enough. You may have your seats. Thank you so much. We ask God if he would out of the blessing to the reading, the hearing, but again, especially to the doers of his word. If you're not too mean tonight and you don't mind helping me preach just for a few moments, I'm not going to ask you to touch them, but just look at your neighbor and say to them with a real loud voice, look at them and tell them, neighbor, God can use what you got. That's what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments. God can use what you got. We would that you pray with us and pray for us as we endeavor to preach this message as the Lord would see fit. Most of us, ladies and gentlemen, have experienced some form of self-doubt in one way or another at some point in our lives. But believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, there is a certain level of healthy self-doubt in a variety of situations. For you see, healthy self-doubt exists to help us recognize that we are not always right. It challenges us to reflect on ourselves much more than we do everybody else. And it also helps us to maintain and to keep a spirit of humility. Paul tells us in his book to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 3, verse number 3, rejoice in Christ Jesus. Are y'all going to pray with me here? And have no confidence in the flesh. But then Paul goes on to tell them in the fourth chapter, verse 13, that we can do all things. I wonder, do I have some Bible readers here through Christ, which strengthens us? Which suggests to us tonight that it's not about you or me. Oh, because whatever we do must be done through Christ and not our flesh. Do I have a witness here? Oh, but I come to tell you tonight that your mind must be conditioned that whatever the Lord has called you to do, you can do it. There, there is a certain level, however, of unhealthy self-doubt. And unhealthy self-doubt will cause us to sometimes stand in our own way and miss out on opportunities that God has prepared for us. 
Oh, unhealthy self-doubt, ladies and gentlemen, is like a greedy parasite which feeds on your self-esteem, your self-worth, and your self-efficacy. Oh, unhealthy self-doubt got a lot to do with how you talk to yourself. According to scientists, yeah, the way that we speak to ourselves repeatedly over time will eventually form grooves in our neural pathways. So you see, if you only tell yourself, I can't make it, this is too hard for me. I'm tired of trying and failing. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I just can't do it. Then eventually those thoughts will become ingrained in your psyche. And eventually it will become a part of your truth. Can I give you some Bible on it? Because some of y'all don't believe me. Proverbs chapter 3, chapter 23, rather, verse number 7 says it like this. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But not only are those that say, I can't. But Deacon Lester, they got some first cousins that say, I shouldn't. Researchers and psychologists have labeled these individuals as those having what is called the imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is closely associated with self-doubt and loosely defined as doubting your own abilities and feeling like a fraud. Many people have told themselves that they should not be as successful as they are and they should not be in the position that they are in. Some have even convinced themselves that it is impossible for God to use them because of their past mistakes. Imposter syndrome. In essence, ladies and gentlemen, we can sometimes allow our inadequacies to make us believe that we ain't got nothing for God to use. We allow our failures. We allow our shortcomings. We allow our faults to cripple us into thinking that we are of no good use to the master. Oh, but God sent me down 285, yeah, yeah. sent me down Marlin, made me turn on Constitution, made me hit a right on Jonesboro, just to come right here on the corner of Jonesboro and Melton Avenue to tell somebody, despite where you are, despite what you've done, despite what you've gone through, you still got something for God to use. Do I have a witness here? Oh, in our text, ladies and gentlemen, lest I hold you too long, we find Moses. And Moses is one of the most prominent figures of the Old Testament. You see, Moses was the man chosen by God to bring liberty and redemption to his people. You see, God specifically selected Moses to lead the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt to salvation in the promised land. Yet Moses, like you and I, he struggled with the imposter syndrome. 
And he struggled with his own feelings of self-doubt when God commissioned him for this great word. In our text, ladies and gentlemen, we will find four sermonic points that will help us to overcome our struggles of self-doubt, self-sabotage, and self-destruction. In the text, you will see, yeah, that number one, the Lord will select you. Then number two, you will see the Lord will supply you. Point number three, you will see the Lord will speak for you. Then last and finally, point number four, you will see that the Lord will send you. Lady Fountain, can I work on it? Point number one here, we see the Lord will select you. Can you repeat that after me if you will? The Lord will select you. By the time we catch up with Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he has already spent 40 years in Midian, tending to the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. One day, the Bible tells us as Moses was leading the sheep to the backside of the desert, near the mountain called Horeb, the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. This, ladies and gentlemen, was not a strange occurrence to Moses because in the dry, humid temperatures of the desert air, bushes would catch on fire at any given moment. However, there was something different about this bush. It was something different about the flame that kindled upon this bush. For you see, brethren, the bush was on fire, but the bush was not consumed by the fire. And there he heard the voice of the Lord call out to him from within the bush saying, Moses, Moses, draw nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereupon thy stand is holy ground. In verse number 7 of chapter 3, God tells Moses the nature of his visit to him. Listen to what he said. In essence, the Lord says to him, I've seen the condition that my people are in. And I'm getting ready to bring them out of bondage. Oh, he said, I've seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them and beat them. And I've seen how badly the Pharaoh has inflicted cruel and unusual punishment upon them. So I'm getting ready to deliver my people out of bondage. Oh, brothers and sisters, I wish you could have seen him. Moses stood there with a look of shock and surprise on his face. I was ear hustling, but I heard Moses say, God, that's nice to know. I appreciate the information, but this ain't got nothing to do with me. Oh, Moses stood there looking astonished and surprised. He was stuck because he could not believe or understand why God was telling him this information. Oh, brothers and sisters, when God selected Moses, hear me and hear me very well. When God selected Moses, he, he did not consider what was on his record, did not consider what was on his rap sheet, his resume, didn't consider nothing that Moses had ever done. But when he selected Moses, he selected him because he knew, watch this, Moses had something he could use. 
I wonder have I got a witness here. Oh, and I think I ought to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you'd allow me to stick a pen in this hymn, I think I ought to tell you, God does not select us based upon what we can do for him. But rather, God selects us based upon what he can do with us. Oh, I wish I had a witness up in here. And you may think that your past is too dark, but I serve a God who can take a dark past and shine the light on it. And that's why the saints of yesterday will say, shine on me. I wonder if I got some witnesses here. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. In verse number 11 of chapter 3, Moses began to doubt his ability to speak to Pharaoh on behalf of God. Listen to what he said. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? What's so good about me? God, you know I can't go back to Pharaoh. You know I can't go back to Egypt. You're trying to set me up. I killed a man in Egypt. Hit him in the sand there. I can't go back. I'm on the run, God. I appreciate the opportunity, but God, I think I'm going to sit this one out. You need to find you somebody else because I don't have what it takes to get the job done. Can I stick a pen in this hymn and tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's been many times in our lives where we've tried to barter with God. I wish I had a witness in here. There's been times in our life where we tried to remind God of what we did and why he shouldn't use us. But at the end of the day, when God done selected you, I wish I had a witness. There's nothing you can say, nothing you can do that can make God change his mind. Moses had been selected. And I heard God when he told the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed thee, I wish I had a witness in here, in the belly, I knew thee. In other words, I knew what you were going to do, who you were going to do it with, where you were going to do it, what day you were going to do it on, what time you were going to do it. Y'all ain't got the same man say, ouch, if it hurt. But I knew it before you knew it, and I still selected you. Said before you came, out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. Can I tell you something tonight, Mount Pleasant? Even when people see you as the worst and most unfit, God sees you as his very best. Oh, I heard Marvin Sapp say it like this. He saw the best in me. I wish I had two witnesses. I'll make three. When everybody else could only see the worst in me. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you don't have any flaws. Doesn't mean that you don't have any sin. But that just means in spite of what you've done, how you've acted, God still carefully chose you for his glory. Oh, no matter what folks say about you, God has already selected you. Let me run the tape back and try one more time. I said, no matter what folks say about you, God has already selected you. 
all right, I used to be slow too. Let me come and get you. No matter what folks say about you, God has already selected you. They can call you everything but a child of God, but he done selected you. They can look down their nose on you, but he done selected you. They can smile in your face and stab you in your back, but I come to tell you, God done selected you. And I don't know how you feel about it, but when you've been selected, you ain't got to fight. I wish I had a witness. You ain't got to argue. All you got to do is tell folk, I've been selected. I've been. Just look down your row and tell somebody, I've been selected. If you got a problem with it, take it up with God. I, I, I've been selected for a reason and a purpose. Look how Peter said, but you are a chosen generation. And I think I ought to tell the selected folk, you ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. <laughs> I wish I had a witness in here. You don't owe nobody no explanation as to why God selected you. How you get that car, child? God just selected me. How y'all afford that? How, baby? I'm still asking myself. All I can tell you is I've been selected. Let me settle my saddle here. The Lord will select you. Yeah, you. Broke, busted, disgusted, but selected. <laughs> Sick. I wish I had a witness in here. No friends, no money, but selected. Heartbroken, headaches, laid awake at night, but selected. And when you've been selected, the psalmist told us that weeping man. I ain't got no selected folks in here. Endure for night, oh, but clint joy. <laughs> Look and tell somebody on your road, joy. When you've been selected, you can have joy in the midst of your trouble. But not only, watch this. I'm going to preach my own self happy. Not only will he select you, but point number two, he will supply you. Repeat that after me if you will. The Lord will supply you. Watch this, Lady Fountain. Whenever God has selected you for an assignment, he won't select you without preparing you to do what he told you to do. Whenever God has selected you, he will always equip you with the necessary means to perform the assignment. Look how Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, but my God. Uh-huh. Shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. He will supply you. And many times we think that we need something new. We need something more advanced. I wish I had a witness. We, we think that we need something fancier. But the truth of the matter is we already got what we already need. All right, maybe y'all ain't feeling me. Maybe y'all ain't feeling me. Let me come down your street and pull up in your driveway. Let the garage up because here I come. If God needed you to be taller for the assignment, he would have gave you more height. I wish I had a witness. If God needed you to be richer for the assignment, he would have gave you more money. 
If God needed you to be more popular for the assignment, he would have gave you popularity. If God needed you to be louder for the assignment, he would have gave you a bigger voice. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm going to tell you what I'm saying. Whatever you ain't got, you don't need. And whatever you already got is all God really needs. Look and tell somebody, I got what I need. I got what I need. I may not live in a mansion on a hill, but my two-bedroom is all I need right now. I may not drive a Mercedes, but baby, that Mr. B should get me from point A to point B. I got what I need. Your man might not be tall, dark, and handsome, but he's short, fat, and caramel, baby. You got all you need. So God supplied Moses. Watch this. This blessed me at the house last night. He supplied Moses with one piece of equipment. And watch this. God didn't give it to him. He already had it. That, that just went over somebody's hairspray. I said, God equipped him with one piece of equipment and watch this he gave it to him before he gave him the assignment and then when he called him for the assignment he said you already got what you need because I done already gave it to you all right, lean in a little bit closer. Let me come and get you tonight. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? God gave you some stuff years ago, and you thought you wasn't going to never use it. But God going to tell you today, go to the attic and pull it out. Go to the basement and dust it off. Because you already got what you need in your, in your hand. Gave him one piece. One piece of equipment. Didn't give him a whole toolbox. One piece of equipment. In chapter 4, verse 2, the Lord asked Moses a question. I read it in your hearing. He asked him, he said, Moses, what is in your hand? And Moses simply answered a rod. Now, God, you go from telling me that I'm, I'm going to go deliver the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage to asking me what's in my hand? What does that have to do with the other? But according to Jewish historians, the rod was made of almond wood. It had a slight curve at the top and was used to lead, watch this, and protect flock entrusted to his care. The rod of Moses, ladies and gentlemen, represented his whole life. It symbolized the ambition, vocation, wisdom, skills, status, and strength. His rod was his identity. His rod was his instrument. His rod was his defense in the desert. Therefore, when Moses, as I read in the text, willingly cast his rod on the ground, it symbolizes that he was surrendering his whole life to God. Having surrendered his rod to God, Though God never took it from his hand, Moses no longer saw it as an ordinary rod. And he never used it for an ordinary purpose again. Watch this. God already knew what it was. But he wanted to show Moses that he could take what was in his hand. 
let me say it like this. He wanted to show Moses that he can take something simple and do something supernatural with it. Ladies and gentlemen, when you battle with your fears of not having enough, when you battle with your fears of self-doubt because we seemingly don't measure up to man's standards, God will remind you that he can use what you got in your hand. I just dare somebody to take their hand and put it out in front of them. And I want to tell you, somebody got a book in your hand. I wish I had a witness. Somebody got a play. Somebody got a movie. Somebody got a business plan already in your hand. May not seem like much to you. Oh, but it's just enough for God to you. What's in your hand? Oh, Moses had a rod in his hand, and God used it to deliver these children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry land. What's in your hand? Samson had the jawbone of an ass in his hand, and God used it to slay a thousand Philistine. What's in your hand? Oh, David had a slingshot, five smooth stones in his hand. But God used it to knock down that nine-foot Goliath. What's in your hand? Oh, Nehemiah had a hammer in one hand. Had a sword in the other hand. But God used both of them to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. What's in your hand? I know Capital One asked you what's in your wallet, but I want to know what's in your hand. Oh, one day a little boy had two fish, five loaves of bread in his hand. But God used it to feed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. What's in? All right, y'all ain't feeling me. Maybe you'll get on the train on this one. Jesus had nails in his hand but God used them to purchase our salvation I come to tell you God can use what's in your hand oh my brothers and sisters it's all a matter of you giving God what's in your hand you know there's a game that we like to play uh, at family gatherings and cookouts and get-togethers. I'm going to look down so I don't see nobody's hand when I ask this question. Uh, are there any spades players? Y'all hurry up and put your hand down so I can look up now. In the game of spades, you have books. Yeah, in your hand. And see, when you play spades, your focus is on what's in your hand, not what's in your opponent's hand. And see, sometimes you might get a book that seems unfavorable. But if you know how to play, I wish I had a witness in here. If you know how to play your hand and play your book, you can still win the game. Look over and tell somebody, I don't play space. Now, don't say it if you're lying. If you play space, tell them I play space. And sometimes you can get an unfavorable hand, but it's the same way in life. God might give you an unfavorable hand, but you can still win with what's in your. 
You just got to play your hand. I got to go tonight. I've had you too long. Number one, the Lord will select you. Number two, the Lord will supply you. Number three, the Lord will speak for you. Although God had assured Moses that he would not be alone by telling him in verse 12 of chapter 3, he said, certainly I will be with you. Moses still was not convinced of God's vote of confidence in him for this special task. So Moses, like you and I, found yet another excuse, hoping that this one would definitely change God's mind. I heard Moses sitting on the rock one day. He, he said, I, I know God going to let me off the hook when I tell him this. Oh, yeah, I, I know this one going to get me off. Because, see, I can't even talk. So, so I know, I know God ain't going to gonna, gonna, gonna send me to talk to Pharaoh. And I'm going talking to him like this. Look what he said in verse number 10. He told the Lord, he said, I'm not eloquent. Neither therefore now nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In other words, Moses said, I got a speech impediment. The very thing, God, that you need me to do, I can't do. I stutter too bad. I got a stubborn, stuttering problem. I'm not good with words. So you got to find somebody else because I can't go talk to Pharaoh and tell him to deliver your people talking like this. God, something wrong with me. I've got a problem. I got a deficiency. I got a deformity. I got a disability. God, I'm not the one. How many times have you said that? I can't sing like Sister Mary. I'm not the one. I can't preach, hallelujah, like Pastor Benton. I'm not the one. How many times have you tried to talk God out of selecting you? Surely, you won't send me. Thank you for considering me, but I ain't the one. And can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? That's just what the devil wants you to think, that you ain't the one. But I wonder if I can get two witnesses, I'll make three that can testify I'm not being arrogant, I'm not being conceited, I'm not being braggadocious, I don't think I'm better than nobody, but I just come to serve nobody that's on the devil today. I'm the one, I'm the, I'm the right one. Look down your row and tell somebody, I'm the right one. I may not have what you have, but I'm still the one. I may not can do it like you can do it, but I'm still the one. I wish I had a witness in here. You might have no rhythm but baby I got a rhyme I'm still the one so look what the Lord said and Moses shut up because I ain't changing my mind you can say all you want to say you telling me about your speech problem I made the tongue and the mouth that you talk with You, you, you telling me what's wrong with you. You telling me what you can't do when I done already fixed it so you can do it. Look what it said. All I need you to do is open your mouth and I'll let the words. I wish I had a witness. I'll let the words come out your mouth. Say, Moses, I don't need you to say nothing. 
Because matter of fact, if you go to talking, you might make things worse than they already are. But just open your mouth and I'll talk for you. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? When the Lord speaks for you, he'll make your enemies leave you alone. <laughs> when the Lord speaks for you, he'll give you jobs that you didn't apply for. When the Lord speaks for you, I wish you had a witness. He'll make your enemy your footstool. And I've come to discover, Clint, in 2022, everybody got a voice. But everybody ain't saying what the Lord done told them to say. I wish I had a witness in here. Just because you got a mic don't mean you saying what the Lord done told you to say. But I'm just like the Bible said. If you open your mouth, he'll speak. And every now and then we need to be quiet and let the Lord speak for us. When you go on that job tomorrow, you ain't got to go back and forth with them co-workers. Just let the Lord, I wish you had a witness, speak for you. When you go home tonight, you ain't got to argue. You ain't got to fuss. You ain't got to raise your voice. Just let the Lord speak for you. When you come up in here, you ain't got to tell nobody nothing. You ain't got to explain the favor of God on your life. Just let the Lord speak. I've got to go. He'll select you. He'll supply you. He'll speak for you. But then last and finally, he'll send you. I want you to notice the order. I want you to notice how he did it. He'll never send you if he ain't selected you. I, 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 I thought I would have got a amen, but just in case I didn't, I put one in my pocket. I said he'll never send you before he selected you. And some folk going off of what they thought. I wish I had a witness. Some folk doing stuff off of what they felt. But God ain't selected them, so they ain't been sent. Since Moses couldn't wiggle his way out of the assignment, all he could do was obey and oblige. All Moses could do was hush up and get ready to go where God was sending him. Verse 18 says, and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, let me go. I pray thee and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt. I like what Moses said to Jethro in verse number 18. He went to Jethro and said, Jethro, let me go. I, I can't stay here and keep tending to your sheep. God done gave me my own assignment. Let me go. And there's some folks in your life. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know what y'all got going on. But there's some folks in your life that you need to tell them three words to. Let me go. I wish I had a witness in here. And see, maybe, maybe they won't understand it when you say let me go. Maybe you got to tell them stop calling me. Three words. Stop texting me. Don't come to my house. I wish I had a witness. Get away from my cubicle. Y'all don't want to talk to me here. Maybe, maybe they still won't get it like that. Maybe you gotta unfriend them on Facebook. Maybe you gotta block them. Maybe you gotta send them a TikTok. But there's some folk that you gotta tell them, let me go. You done held me back long enough. God is sending me somewhere else. You got to let me go. Moses still had some doubt in his mind about going back to Egypt. Am I doing all right? He still had some doubt. He, he thought to himself, now, what if I get back to Egypt and they capture me? 
What if I get back to Egypt and they lock me up? I still got a warrant. You sending me back to Egypt and Brian Kemp got a bounty on my head. You sending me back to Egypt and I'm the very person that Herschel Walker want to get a hold of. God, why you going to send me back to Egypt? They're going to lock me up. Then who going to deliver the children of Israel? I'm a fugitive. I'm on the run. And I can't run back to the very place that I ran from. But yet again, God comforts his concerns and dismantles his doubts. Look what he said. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, go, return unto Egypt. Watch this. I'm going to shout myself. For all the men are dead which sought your life. I ain't got no praises in here. He said, go on back. Because the very folk that were looking for you, I done dealt with them. And can I tell you something tonight? The very folk that were bothering you, God going to deal with them. The very folk that had a hit out for you, God. Said, I done already dealt with them, Moses. You worried about the wrong thing. You still trying to get out of the assignment. And all I need you to do is go. Said, Moses, ain't nobody going to bother you. Ain't nobody going to mess with you. In other words, God said, I dare somebody to do something to you while you on an assignment. I dare somebody to say something. To I dare somebody to try to shut you down. I dare somebody to come up against you. Because I heard the Bible say, no weapon. <laughs> that stormed against you shall pry. Just look at somebody and say, I double dog dare somebody. I dare you to try to lie on me. I dare you to try to scheme against me. I dare you to try to do something to me. Because God got a hedge around me. I ain't never scared. Because I know who got my back. I wish I had a witness up in here. I know who protected me. I know who's walking with me. Oh, yeah, you can lie to my face, but it's somebody that got my back. Oh, yeah, you can plot against me, but somebody got my back. Come here, David. What did you say those two twins' names were? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. Deuteronomy 31 and 8 says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Oh, and I'm encouraged tonight by Moses because through his fears and anxiety, he still displayed what it means to trust in God. And I heard the hymn writer William Martin when he put pen to parchment, pen these words, he said, I trust in God, wherever I may be, upon the land, on the rolling sea, for come what may from day to day, my heavenly father, he watches, I wish I had a witness here, over me, and grandmama them would say like this, all night, and all day, I've got angels 
watching over me, my Lord. And I got to leave y'all tonight. I didn't mean to hold you this long. Uh, but verse number 20 said that uh, Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and returned to Egypt. Uh, but Moses did not go back to Egypt empty-handed. Uh, but the Bible said that uh, Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And uh, this rod, yeah, was initially just an ordinary rod. Yeah, but uh, Moses uh, yielded that rod to the Lord. <laughs> when Moses yielded that rod to God, uh, God took the rod and put his spirit upon it. And when God put his spirit upon the rod, it was no longer just an ordinary, simple rod. And, and all I'm trying to tell you tonight, uh, my brothers and my sisters, uh, when God uh, put his spirit upon you, uh, you can leap over walls uh, and jump through troops. Uh, can I get me a witness in him? And I don't know how you feel about it, but I come to tell you tonight, this is not the time to be stuck, stagnant, and stifled. Because God is sending you to deliver somebody else. Can I get me a witness in him? And God may not send you to the nations. Uh, but God may send you to the neighborhood. Uh, can I get me a witness in him? Uh, but I come to tell you tonight uh, that wherever he sends you, uh, he will uh, be with you. Uh, can I get me a witness in him? Uh, and I know, yeah, that the way may get dark. Yeah, sometimes your burden may seem too hard to bear. But I come to tell you that my God, he will be with you. Can I get a witness? He was with Joshua when he sent him over Jordan to bring him into the promised land. He was with Gideon when he sent him to the midnight camp. He was with Joseph when he sent him down to Potiphar's house. He was with Daniel when he sent him to the lion den. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when he sent them down to the fiery furnace. And oh, yes, sir. 
the Bible said in Isaiah, I feel pretty good here, chapter 6, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I wonder, can anybody here say like Isaiah, here am I. You've been listening to the Mount on the Go podcast. If you've been enjoying the word, please consider donating to the Mount Pleasant ministry. We have various ways that you can give to the ministry to allow us to become better in our pursuit of delivering God's word to you. You can give via PayPal at mtpleasantatl.org. You can give via Zale, info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also give via Square and Givelify. For Givelify, just search for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church with our address, 17 Melvin Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia, and you'll be in the right place. In addition to all these options, you're always welcome and invited to grab an envelope and have cash or checks sent to the church, whose address is again, 17 Melvin Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia. For questions, comments, and concerns, feel free to email us at info at mtpleasantatl.org. That's info at mtpleasantatl.org. You can also visit our website, www.mountpleasantatl.org, to follow us on YouTube and Facebook for the video version of the podcast. Our services are live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are more than welcome to visit the church in person every Sunday at the same time. Thank you so much for listening.